Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast, beautiful humans. If a professional, polished, well-edited podcast is what you're after, then move right on. If, however, you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers, authentic heart sharing, and a very generous dash of holistic health education, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome back to the Holistic Health Podcast. Amy, what is happening this morning over at the Skilton household? <laughs> oh my gosh. Chaos as usual. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> just the standard. Um, I've been for a walk. It's a beautiful sunny day. I'm actually feeling really good today. Finally caught up on some sleep and just trying to get my life back together, really. What about you? Oh, where do we start in this household? (laughs) Maybe that'll have to be a story for another day. For anyone who isn't following along at home, um, I'm I'm actually a bit of a nomad at the moment. My my husband and I are house and pet sitting around the Gold Coast in Australia. So we've been living in lots of different spots. So Yes, this this particular house set will um we'll leave that story for another day or we might end up doing a whole podcast about it. Speaking of us and personal lives and what's happening and questions, we wanted to bring to you today a bit of a bit more of a lighthearted episode and to answer some questions that you guys have asked when we've put it out onto our Instagram channels. Um just because it's really nice to get to know who you're listening to and who you're getting information from. And we totally get that, you know, you have questions and um, I mean, I'm the same. I'm just curious about humans and definitely curious about people who I listen to frequently. Mm -hmm. So we thought, why not have a bit of fun and go through some of these questions and share with you a little bit of ourselves that you might not already know. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. There's some good questions in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to kick off with um, the first question in no particular order. Mm. Amy, what's one thing that no one would nominate you to be in charge of? <laughs> it's probably quite a few things. <laughs> but the first thing that springs to mind, because we're obviously doing the podcast, is to no one would ever ask me to explain something in as little words as possible. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> I am missing the gene. I have to use all the words, all the descriptions, like every little nuance, pathway, mechanism. And I even annoy myself sometimes, but I just cannot. I just cannot. I have this, I don't know, I think it's like a thoroughness. I feel like it's really important that you know, something is explained thoroughly. I'm doing it now. I know, that's why I'm smiling. I'm literally doing it now. I just, I could have just stopped and I didn't and I went in. So there you go, folks. That is one thing I will never, ever be asked to do. Or if you ask me, I will fail. (laughs) All right, Nat. Okay, let's get the spotlight off me. What about you? What would say? Not well, in, in, a, in a very funny contrast to that, absolutely no one would ever ask me to be the person that reads the instruction manual. I <laughs> am not a detailed person. I will give you the dot points and hope for the best and trust it'll all work out. So uh-uh, I am not the one for the job. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. This is why we balance each other so much. I'm right up in the details, girl. And you're like, you've and got And I'm the- just like top level dot points, oh, move it along. <laughs> Five you, five you. Oh my God, I love it. That was such a good question. Okay. Um, all right, I've got one for you. How often do you eat treats, Nat? This is such an interesting question because I think that this has changed for me over time. Right mm. now, I I think I should define what I feel like a treat is for me because I do think it's relative to everyone. So mm-hmm. a treat for me is anything that I know when I consume it, it's not the most best choice for my physical body. And I do think that that differs for everyone. So I have quite a sensitive system. Um, so I don't, I don't think I don't ever eat junk food. I know that sounds like, oh, like she's on a high horse, but I just, I genuinely don't ever eat 
traditional junk food because I just don't see it as food anymore personally. Mm. Um, what I consider treats are things high in sugar or um, or if I'm eating dairy or if it's something that's quite a refined carbohydrate, for example. Mm. So I would say I eat treats. I, I eat things that are more processed, higher in sugar, you know, whatever it may be, probably once a week to once a fortnight depending on if I feel like something. Mm. What about you? Yeah, that's it really got me thinking about how a treat is defined um, because, you know, like you, there are definitely some things that um, do not suit my system. I've had like an on and on, on and off relationship with gluten and I'm now I've permanently dumped gluten. <laughs> Because um, it's just <laughs> such a shocking substance for me or, you know, and the glyphosate that goes along with it. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, you don't so, want to share the details? Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> really trying to bite my tongue here. I really am. Um, so, so like to sort of say is gluten a treat because it's so damaging to my system. I can't, I don't view it as a treat at all. It's like, it's just not on the radar. So. And then for treats, I feel like I always make sure I've got delicious food to enjoy. And like, you know, my bliss ball recipe is just one of my favorite things. And so that to me feels like a treat, but like, could you technically define it as a treat if it's not like a naughty food? I don't know. So I guess going off your definition, I would say probably similar once a week or a fortnight. So if we've had, we've gone out for dinner, we might have dessert. So yeah, that yeah. might be sorbet or a gluten-free dessert that I haven't made. Like it's from the restaurants. So obviously there'll be white sugar in it, which is not something I would put in there. So my my first my first thought when you asked that question was like whenever I want. Like I yeah. don't have this like restriction. I don't plan to only have it. It's just my day-to-day eating is so full of delicious food and I make healthy versions of things I guess people would consider treats that I actually I just don't really even differentiate between between them Mm. um and I also it's probably because I'm getting old but I feel the difference in my body and I also value that as much as I value taste and so yeah it's a funny one isn't it um but you know like um what did I have last night I had some like uh, it's not pan and chocolate, but it was another brand of like hazelnut, hazelnut, like plant-based chocolate. Oh, you know, I guess you'd define that as a treat. Um, so yeah, not that often by your definition, but also just whenever I want. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I agree. Like I think, and I think it's a really beautiful thing when you can get to a place where like, it's not defined by a, I'm only allowed at X amount of times or Y amount of times, or there's not this sense of earning it around it, but it's actually a a choice that's grounded in, Mm. um, in choice, like rather than in reactivity. Mm. Um, and I think it took me a very long time to get to that. I used to have a quote unquote cheat day where I just eat, Mm. you know, absolutely anything I wanted, lots of processed food, just because in my head, I'd created this rule that outside of that one day, Mm. I could not have anything else in that name. So really interesting, but let's move on to the next question. So the other question I have here to ask you is, do you ever feel self-conscious working in the nutrition space? And I think this actually Mm. came through from another practitioner, a young practitioner who is um, currently working in uh, as a nutritionist. Mm. And I think it's a really great question. And I love to hear what your answer and experience with this is. Oh, yeah. So there's a couple of layers to this. So number one, I definitely have, especially when I've met, like if I'm out for dinner or at a meal with like new friends or like it's a networking lunch or breakfast or whatever. So I'm eating with people who don't know know me. I definitely have occasions where I think, oh, like, are they watching what I'm eating, watching what the nutritionist's eating and judging me? And like, should I make a different choice to set 
like an example Mm -hmm. and you know like I have absolutely had those thoughts before where it's I've had this awkward moment of like feeling self-conscious about what I'm about to order or what I'm about to eat and whether people will be surprised um about that um there's there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of judgment everywhere but I think also sometimes that can extend to you know, if you are having a treat, for example, let's say I'm trying, you know, I'm just thinking out loud, you know, a work dinner and it's a whole bunch of health professionals and like the dessert menu comes out. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's like, eh, you know, um, mm-hmm. mindful of like the juxtaposition there or drinking alcohol. Um, the other thing I would say is I'm very sensitive to different ways of eating and different reasons why people choose different ways of eating. And so for many reasons, I don't share a lot about what I eat on social media. Mm. Um, And also probably the last thing I would say is ever since I got sick with mold, developed leptin resistance, put on heaps of weight, there's been another layer of, well, I'm not in the shape that I was for my whole life. I'm not Mm. currently that fit. I'm not currently that strong. Um, I'm getting stronger and I'm getting fitter. Um, And the getting, like dropping excess body fat is around the corner. But I do think um, there is an expectation when you're in the health industry of like being perfect, whatever that even means, Mm. Um, and certainly fitting into a mold. And and look, I understand this mentality, but like I've heard people say, I would never see an overweight nutritionist. And I'm like, well, you've obviously never experienced weight issues that have nothing to do with nutrition. And Mm. so here I am carrying a bit of extra weight. I definitely don't look like the best version of me. I'm starting to feel like a better and better version of me, but it's been a bloody long journey. Mm. And yeah, I mean, uh, the last conference I spoke at was last year. February last year, it was um, the Natrepreneur Conference, Tammy Guest Conference. And yeah, I'm up on stage. And I, you know, I had my own keynote that I delivered. And then I had a joint presentation with Tammy. And yes, it was like I was having to choose my outfits more carefully and being very mindful that I'm not in the same shape I was in that I have ordinarily been my whole professional career. And as people know me, and having to just kind of get over myself and get over that. But, you know, that that's all kind of laid up in there as well. So, so yes, there have been moments. I don't let those moments kind of overtake the present. I um, generally, you know, move through that pretty quickly, but definitely there. Mm. Um, what about you, Nat? Have you ever experienced feeling self-conscious in our industry? Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably similar to you. I, I do feel like the watching eyes whenever you're around people as someone who has a, you know, professional background in nutrition or, nutri- or naturopathy of, mm. of what are they ordering. Mm. And so it always, or not always, but it often pops into my mind. Mm. Um, and I find it interesting because there's a there's part of me that goes, well, I don't I don't care because that's just generally my personality is just mm. I just don't have enough fucks to give that like why would I bother? <laughs> and then another side of me that goes, I wish I could just tell them that, you know, I'm ordering this, but I don't usually order like this or whatever. <laughs> and I kind of let it slide. So I think it's very natural because the reality is mm. a lot of people are observing and um, you know, maybe judging. And I don't think that you can necessarily escape that we are by Mm. nature meaning makers and so someone is probably going to put their own context and their own story around you know oh she's ordering that so this must mean why Mm. and I just think if I was to go around and try and micromanage what everyone thought of me or all of my choices I'd be so exhausted and have no time to do anything else Mm -hmm. so I, I definitely feel that in the in the food space I 
I also have very much experienced my own struggles with um, body image. I mean, I come from such a long history of disordered eating that, um, you know, it's been a big journey in to come into a place where I feel comfortable and, and confident in the body that I now inhabit, which mm-hmm. looks very different to the one I had for a long time growing up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that all I've done, literally all I've done to get better at that and for it not to be a question that I that I would really answer yes to anymore when someone asks, do you feel self-conscious? It, my first answer is no longer, yeah, definitely. Mm. I'd have to be like, oh, oh, like I feel mm. like I cho- choose not to feel that way. Mm. And I think it's a practice. Like I think there's always, I mean, I've done lots of talks and in front of like big groups of CrossFit people or, um, you know, in the general public in that way at gyms. And I I certainly don't look unfit, but I'm not a naturally lean person. And because I'm quite short, if I am going through a, a season of life where I'm carrying a little bit of extra weight for me, it's quite obvious. Mm. But then I just, I don't know. I think it's just a practice of showing up anyway and realizing that you're okay and you've survived and that people still value what you're saying and what you're sharing. Mm. And if someone's going to be so judgmental as to say that person's carrying extra weight, I'm not going to take advice from her despite what they hear you say, mm. that's fine. Not for me. I, I, I'm not, that's not a reflection of me. That's their own internal judgment that's being projected onto me. Mm. And I think that if you take a moment to think, as you've said, at the end of the day, you and I, despite despite all the knowledge that we have and and all the experience we have in this industry, we Mm. are still humans Mm. that struggle with the same things that everyone else does. Mm. And food is just not automatically easy for us just because we know what you know what the ideal option is it's still you know food is layered in so many different things so that was a that was an amy answer to that question you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) fucking fabulous okay amazing that was amazing well i guess on that note um I would love to know what two specific things you prioritize when it comes to your nutrition okay Easy answers, mm-hmm. having protein at every main meal and a good whack of it because mm-hmm. I find when I do that, my blood sugar is much more stable, my energy is much more stable, mm-hmm. my hunger is much more stable, and I'm generally just an overall better concentrated, nicer person. <laughs> and then the other thing that would be a focus for me is the quality of my food and understanding where it's come from and having gratitude towards everything that I'm eating. They will be hands down my my two focuses oh amazing what you said (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the protein thing is really really big um and I am a much nicer human when I get my blood sugar nice and balanced so yes everyone is grateful for that that's for damn sure um so let me give you two that you haven't said um number one would be it's, I guess, an extension of what you just said about the quality. So I actually really make sure I prioritize organic food, not across the board necessarily. Like for example, if it's fruit that has a skin that doesn't get eaten like bananas or oranges, I'm less, I'm less, you know, mindful of that, but I would like I wouldn't ever have like um, battery cage hens or eggs that are not organic just because of the shit they put in um, into their food and the antibiotics they feed them and all of that stuff. Um, and the other thing I prioritize, which is something that wasn't always a priority for me, but now has really become something highly important is avoiding seed oils in my food. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit slack with that for a while, Um, I thought, you know, plenty of organic fruit, veg, you know, organic meat um, and wasn't that worried about where seed oils were creeping in. And honestly, there wasn't much of an opportunity anyway, but, um, and we're going to talk about the carnivore trend (laughs) at some point in this podcast, but my hubby just recently tried a version of that, which was, is just meat and fruit. And I did it with him for a week. Um, And it was really interesting. It reset my palate 
And since then, I can taste rancid seed oils. Like it's ruined a few of my favorite things. Like I used to love seaweed snacks and now all I can taste is rancid seed oil. So I have to make my own. Um, So yeah, avoiding, yeah, industrial seed oils is my other priority. Mm. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Um, Okay, next question is what's something people assume about you that isn't necessarily true? Ooh. How? How hard is it to answer this question? Oh, man, there's so actually I might even ask this on Instagram because I'd be very interested to hear what people assume. But I can tell you the most common assumption I do get is people assume as a health professional, natural medicine, nutritionist, that I'm either vegetarian or vegan. Um, And that's because people have a misguided understanding of what's healthy. And I'm neither of those things, actually. And that really shocks some people because, you know, I think the general public have come to believe that vegetarianism or veganism is synonymous with health. Mm. Um, And, yes, that is not the case. What about you, Nat? What do people assume about you? I, like, I really struggle to answer this question because I I don't feel like I'm that hidden about anything, but there are there are some assumptions that have come across my radar, either yes. in like just like in the friendship personal world or mm-hmm. in a professional world. And just one happened the other mm-hmm. yesterday, actually, I was talking to actually a really long-term client of mine. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about exercise and type of exercise. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, like I was telling her, you know, I used to do competitive CrossFit and um, Mm -hmm. lots of hit stuff and Mm -hmm. competitive sport. Like that's very much what my history has been and what my, you know, if, if all of it was healthy, that's probably still what I would navigate towards because I I love that. Um, And she was like, oh, really? Like I, I thought maybe you'd be much more like the yoga, chill, gentle exercise side of things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really interesting. Um, And I don't know whether it's because I come across as chill (laughs) or I come across as (laughs) feminine or something. I really don't know, but Mm. I had a good giggle at that because I thought, and I shared this with her, I was like, I had to work really hard to see (laughs) yoga and Pilates and walking as exercise. I used to be that person that was like, why would I go to an hour class to stretch? Like speaking yeah, of yoga, yeah. <laughs> whereas of course I absolutely do not hold that belief anymore at all. Um, um, so I think that's that's one. And the other thing, I think a lot of people assume, or I've had this said to me countless times in my life, yeah. oh, like I can't imagine you angry. And then, you know, cue the whole of my family bursting into laughter um, because I'm someone who 90%, maybe 95% of the time, I am very easygoing and very chill. But if it's something I care about, I'm like that fierce like I am fiery. I, we will get our husbands on this show at one point in time and I'm sure they will bust many myths. <laughs> I think it's that. I think people assume that I'm just, you know, quote unquote, super nice and super mm-hmm. like calm all of the time and never get angry. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is true for the large majority of my days in my life, but I certainly you know, have anger in me and express anger when I need to and have frustration and express Mm -hmm. that and, um, you know, yell or cry or whatever I need to do. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah, that's probably the one I'd say. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've got an extra add on to this question. I would love, I'm going to share what I assumed about you when we first met. Yeah. Oh, I'd love this. This is so interesting. And also I'd love to hear what you assumed about me when you first met me. So just a bit of background, if anyone has ever missed this, Nat and I started working at the same, well, Nat started working at a nutraceutical company that I was already at. I'd been there for, I think, over 10 years when, when she joined the company. And we were in like the department was the education department, but we were in different, different parts of that department. So not working closely. And I remember when I first met you um, thinking that you were quite timid and really serious, like quite a timid, (laughs) 
serious yeah. girl. Um, and it's it's actually more your emotional intelligence is that good that you were just like were so sensitive to everyone around you. And because you worked in a team, you were very busy on the phone. So we actually didn't have much of a chance to chat at work. And I was usually traveling, doing presentations. So it was always like, I would probably be walking from the kitchen to my desk on the one time, you know, a week that I was like in the office. And I don't even think you were full time. So you weren't always there. So, and it would be just a high, you know, a quick high. And, you know, there was a few other ragtags in that group where (laughs) it was louder and noisier and also I'd known for longer. And so it was, you know, we just, we barely got to talk. And I, yeah, I always just saw you as this kind of quiet, in your corner, timid, serious, kind of a serious human. Um, And and almost like someone that needed to be like handled with like velvet gloves, you know, like you had to be gentle with you. Um, And that's partly because I've gotten in trouble for not being gentle with people. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, be really careful with that one because she's just a little, you know, a little little China China doll. Um, Anyway, obviously, since then, over the years, we've got to know each other more. Um, And it was really when um, we both wrapped up there that I got to know you on a a deeper level. And then, of course, since having the podcast, we're now such great friends. Um, And I mean, I'm not going to go on about this, but you are. Uh, absolute firecracker sass pot with like the greatest <laughs> sense of humor. And it's just such a, sh- I'm still shocked actually <laughs> at like how funny you are and how witty you are. And yeah. And also just, you have actually got a very big sparkly personality. It's just, it's not always on display. Um, mm. And when it comes out, I still find it hard to reconcile because that first impression <laughs> I had of you was like this quiet, timid, you know, wee thing. So funny. <laughs> and you know what? First of all, thank you very much. My my Leo, my Leo heart is just lighting up with all this um, admiration. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because a mutual friend of ours that also works at that worked at that same company had the exact same thought. And he said to me once, he said, you know, when I thought met you, first met you, I thought she's not going to last here. Like she doesn't have <laughs> enough of a backbone kind of thing. And then I think as time went on, he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was yeah. wrong. Which, Underestimated yeah. you. Big time. And I, it's funny you say that because I do think that that's been a theme of my life is I think there's lots of layers to my personality. And I think depending on what situation I am, it's not that I'm putting a version like of myself forward for any particular reason. It's just, I'm reading the room, you know, like it's not always necessary to be loud and witty and making jokes. But I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm often, I'm often given that feedback of, Mm. oh, I didn't realize X, Y, and Z, or like people are very surprised when I, I have quite like, yes, I have a, have a very interesting sense of humor and I, I'm definitely the one that uh, can be known for making like, that's what she said jokes. And I think that comes like as a very big surprise as well. So it takes some time, which is why sometimes I make jokes and people don't like react. And I think it's because they're in shock. They're like, did that really just come out of her mouth? (laughs) My yeah. husband is often like, oh, my God, if I had a camera, if I could just, like, film you for a day, like, people would understand. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank God he can't do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to say for you, when I first met you mm. and then as I got to know you, like, mm. similar but different. Like, I thought you were super serious, very, like, together and proper mm. and, um, <laughs> you know, then I got to know you and you are so funny. And also something that surprised me even more so was how like warm and welcoming and nurturing and accommodating you are. Like I came, I reached out to you at a, at a really tough time in my life after we finished work. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
we hadn't spent like that much time together, but you invited me into your home. I'd never felt more at home anywhere than than what I did when I was staying with you and James. And I think as I've gotten to know you like more and more, I just, I think you are so hilarious. And I think when you're, I think it's because I got to know you first in that very professional presenting role. Um, and so that's what most of our conversations were around. But then as I got to get, as I got to know you more as my friend, Mm. and as I get to bring out the other parts of you on this podcast, I'm like, (laughs) everybody needs to hear your stories and how hilarious you are. (laughs) I love that. It's, um, it's interesting how, I don't know, it was, maybe it's how I was brought up, but like just my work personality versus like the rest of me that I didn't always bring to work or didn't Mm. sort of have on display outside of maybe my immediate team. Um, Yeah. So, so interesting to hear other people's impressions. I know. I love that. (laughs) All right. What's next? Questions. More questions. Okay. So what do you eat for breakfast? Oh, good question. So I'm actually not someone who's a creature of habit with this. I'd probably say I have about three or four things on rotation. And what I tend to do is choose my breakfast more around whether I've already exercised, whether I'm about to exercise or whether I'm actually going into like a few hours of focused work. Mm -hmm. So if I am, most of the time I, I would, you know, either be going into some focused work or I would be going to exercise within the next two two hours. So I'll give you the contrast. So if I'm going into trying to work and focus, then I will mostly have leftover dinner that is mainly just like a, an animal protein and some veggies or something that's, I guess, what you would call a little bit lower to moderate carbohydrate because I find it easier to concentrate when I eat that way in the morning. Mm. Um, In saying that, if I'm going to be doing some exercise in the next um, few hours that follow, or if I have already exercised, Mm. I'll I'll, I'll generally have something that's higher in carbohydrates. So it might still be leftover dinner because I tend to really like savory breakfast Mm. from how stable my energy feels with it. But I would have like sweet potato or I have rice um, with my meals. And then the other um, breakfast, two breakfasts that I do tend to have are coconut yogurt with collagen or protein powder stirred in, berries and some kind of nut and seed mix. Mm. Um, Or I would have um, a smoothie if the weather's really warm and I'm you know, a smoothie bowl. So it would have quite a lot of fiber and um, berries and like toppings in it and be quite thick. Mm. Those will probably be my main go-tos. Um, mm. Every now and again, I will have um, eggs, but eggs don't actually work too well in my body. So I, the mm. only reason I don't have them is is for that reason. Otherwise, I think they're a great a great breakfast choice. What about you? Wow, you really take <laughs> your breakfast seriously. I do not muck around. This is serious, Natalie. And she, yeah, <laughs> this is I can see. Oh my god! So, all right. So, uh, the challenge that I've been having since I got sick with mold is with the leptin resistance and the way it is with me. Is I really struggle to eat in the morning, and it's very annoying. It's really bad for blood sugar which can absolutely fuck me up for the whole day, to be honest, mm. um, if I am not able to eat. And and unfortunately, I the, the thing that I sort of feel most able to stomach is like a sweet breakfast. Mm. Um, and so what I'm currently doing, and this is not, this is not a recommendation to anybody at all. This is just how I'm managing where I'm at with my mold recovery, which is most of the way there, by the way, but like, this is kind of the last thing that I'm dealing with is I will start the day with, I have like a, an adrenal decaf coffee yeah, um, because the bitterness of course helps to stimulate the appetite. And I have it with a low carb collagen bar, which I've talked Which a lot about also on this known as the love of amy's life yes <laughs> sorry james <laughs> more. seriously every morning i just wake up excited to have it chocolate hazelnut they're a low carb keto bar but but I, i'm not having it necessarily because it's low carb but it's a very clean 
formulation. There's nothing shitty in it and it tastes amazing. And it's like having chocolate for breakfast. So I'm basically having chocolate and coffee for breakfast, except it's like a herbal decaf coffee and like a whole food, you know, nut, nut butter, date, collagen bar. It's sensation. to hack the system. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And normally like I'll have that straight up so my blood sugar doesn't flop. And then I may exercise, I may go and do a walk and then come back and eat a proper breakfast when I'm hungry. Or I can then transition into savory. So this morning, I'll tell you what I did this morning. I did that. I had my adrenal decaf coffee, the chocolate hazelnut keto bar, went for a walk, and then I've come back and I've had an orange and I batch made some curried egg salad and I've had that. Um, other times if I'm organized, I might have like a an egg muffin, which is basically just an omelet um, with lots of veg, maybe a bit of like bacon or speck or leftover animal protein from a dinner made into muffin cups. And I might have a couple of those and grab like a side of rocket. Um, I should probably be going for smoothies. I've just gotten out of the habit. That's a really nice way to have a sweeter breakfast with collagen powder and, you know, a banana and coconut milk. But I just, I've just fallen out of the habit. So I I try and have some sort of, usually it's like egg and onion salad or curried egg and a piece of fruit. And then if I'm having a good day, like I've been, if I've been on top of like, I'm still sort of detoxing mold toxins out of my tissues. So if I've been on top of that and my stress levels are low, my appetite tends to be a bit better and I might have dinner leftovers. Um, but that probably happens for me about maybe once a week, mm. some, sometimes twice. And so other times I'm sort of trying to like baby step myself through the first meal of the day. After that, I'm golden, have an awesome lunch, have an awesome dinner, probably one healthy snack somewhere in the middle. But breakfast I find just so tricky just because the hormones are still... I'm still working on that. And so my appetite's not great. Mm. Yeah, I can totally, totally appreciate that. Um, And, you know, I guess, you know, we should preface all of this with saying that this is what we do and what works for us. And, you know, sometimes my advice is similar for clients and sometimes it's completely different. Um, And I agree, like, that's why I don't often share that much about what I do, because I think sometimes people can extrapolate, oh, well, if that's what you do, that must be the best thing to do. And that's what I should do. Whereas Mm. I don't think that that's true at all. I think it's really about this is what works for me right now. But Mm. also this hasn't always been what's worked for me. Um, And so it's just being open and flexible with how you structure your food and and what you choose and, and remembering that something that worked for you once won't always work for you and um, that it's everyone is a little bit different. But I do think the one theme that everyone can definitely take away is that Mm. there's protein in breakfast, Mm. um, no matter what it is, whether it's from a collagen bar, whether it's from some collagen powder stowed through eggs, Mm. leftover dinner, like whatever it may be. I think that's one thing that is such a beautiful um, foundation to have breakfast lay upon. Um, mm. Onwards to the next question, I think. So next one is what is something that you're struggling with or is challenging you in life right now? Mm. Oh, my God. So I would say right now the thing that's on my priority list that needs support is my mental health. And it's been, I mean, it's been a couple of years, right? It's been difficult for everybody. And I've always um, been prone to anxiety, pyroluria, you know, like history of trauma, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of last year, I got to a really good place. So end of 2021, um, had a lot of things in place that were where I no longer needed to take any anti-anxiety herbs or like be really like going, you know, hell for leather with magnesium and things to try and try and manage. And I've enjoyed all eight months of actually feeling like I'm finally really centered and doing really well. And this is going to be maybe a podcast episode. Um, at some point, I'm currently getting legal advice, so I can't say too much about it. 
but I have just experienced one of the most, actually my two greatest fears happened this month. Um, and that's the fear of something bad, something, something bad happening to someone that I love or being hurt. And like my cat's just been through just a whole host of medical misadventures, which has just been all consuming. And if that wasn't enough at the beginning of the month, so prior to that unfolding, I was the subject of a media witch hunt and just full blown defamation. Um, and just painted in a way that's just entirely at odds with who I am and, and what I do. And, you know, it was on national television, which resulted in all kinds of horrific hate mail, death threats, really nasty messages, which when it's not happening to you, it kind of is easy to sort of disassociate from as like, this is just a projection from someone who, you know, X, Y, and Z. But when you're on the receiving end of it, it's a whole other story. So right now, um, coming through that and restoring my nervous system regulation and supporting myself um, and, and really just navigating something that is so devastating in a way with, with grace and with kindness and compassion for human beings who actually don't know what they're doing to be mm. honest. It's, it's an unconscious reaction um, and based on a lot of assumptions and et cetera, et cetera. So mental health, like if you'd asked me a month ago, that would not have been my answer. And I would like to think that next month that will not be what I'm focusing on mm. or being challenged by right now. But that is definitely, um, yeah, the most difficult thing that I'm going through at the moment. And you know, thankfully I've done a lot of work on my mental health over the last seven years. And I um, am so lucky to be working also with some incredible practitioners in their field to really rewire my nervous system. And, and look, it has been a spiritual rite of passage, what I am still going through, to be honest, and I'm grateful for it as well. It has allowed me to meet an aspect of myself I didn't know I had and has called forth a version of me that, to be honest, has probably been waiting in the wings, ready to take the steering wheel. So, you know, I look forward to talking more about it once I have had legal advice on what I can and can't say and like whatever news I'm going to pursue as far as writing wrongs go but yeah mental health right now is is the thing on my plate what about mm. you well first of all thank you for sharing and I think it's yeah it's it's so you're right it's it's much easier to hear about those things happening to someone and have the right things to say and that's not about you it's their projection which is all true but it feels horrible to be so misunderstood when you have such a pure intention and and such a passion and drive and personal connection to what you do and what you put out there and then to be yeah completely misunderstood and just shut down it, it just feels really confronting so I'm glad that you are you're still here and fighting <laughs> through it and I think I speak for everyone that we're all very grateful you do speak up and use your voice and share what you know because I think there's just so many people that have benefited and still benefit from all of the knowledge you have. I probably learned something new just speaking to you every single day, which is great. <laughs> I need to like start like a little like notepad of like mm -hmm. things learnt from Amy and then categorize them. <laughs> Amyisms. <laughs> yep, that's it. So what? Oh gosh, like I feel like like you. I, it's been a really tough um, few years, I'd say actually. And for me, there's probably a couple of things that I'm really struggling with at the moment or challenges I should say that I'm that I'm facing because I feel like struggle is not the word I would put to it I'd say they're challenging me and it's a um it's a season that feels really uncomfortable and there's been a lot of yeah I guess pain and hurt and and stuff to move through but I don't feel like I'm struggling I feel I'm just 
having to move through this stuff. So one, I already shared a little bit about at the at the beginning when I was making some jokes about being in different spaces. So I've been living in in and out of lots of different homes by choice for the past over 18 months now um, and relocated to the Gold Coast with my husband. And part of the strategy in doing that was we were going to house and, and pet sit, which is basically where you stay in someone else's home and look after their animals um, in exchange for free rent. And we were doing that so we could explore different areas around the Gold Coast to figure out where we wanted to land and actually buy our first family home. Mm-hmm. And we are still on that journey. And unfortunately, we are not finding our perfect first home yet, but I'm definitely, I'm I'm noticing how much I love and need stability and like my own environment. I think when you're going in and out of other people's spaces, everyone sets up their space differently. Every space carries an energy. You know, I, I'm noticing that I don't have always have access to the usual healthy setup that I might usual usually have. So whether that be cleaning products, the quality of vacuum cleaners, um, <laughs> um, you know, what the health of the mattress is like, you know, whether or not um, there's water damage or how healthy the home is generally. So there's lots of different components to that. And then I guess the even bigger challenge that I am going through at the moment is that my mum was diagnosed, and I, I'm just to preface this, she is comfortable with me sharing this. Um, she was diagnosed with an advanced form of, of breast cancer a few months ago now and is going through treatment. And I'm, I'm sure I've spoken about this on the podcast before, like I've very, very close with my mom. She's my absolute mm. most favorite human in the whole wide world. And moving away from her, she's she's um, not in Queensland, she's in New South Wales, was actually like a really big deal for me. Mm. Um, and she actually, you know, was diagnosed once I moved away, once I made that leap. And so it made it really, really difficult. And, you know, a lot of you have been with us on this podcast journey for a really long time. And so you may also remember that I lost my one of my best friends and co-host of the previous podcast I ran, Kate, to, to breast cancer in 2020. So it felt like a really fresh and confronting thing to, to face. I mean, it's never easy. So mm. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely been a very challenging period for me it's it's really difficult to have so much instability and uncertainty for anyone and I think it's really highlighted to me just how much you have to be present and grateful to get through hard times because truly the only thing that the three things that have gotten me through um, you know, the the last few years or last year in particular with everything that's that's going on is mm. just trying to take each day and each decision and each moment as it comes, being grateful for the things that are going well when they are going well, because unfortunately, life has definitely been just such a big roller coaster f- for me in terms of great highs and like deep heart destroying lows. Mm. And then also people like I am blessed to have like just the most incredible family, um, the most beautiful friends, Amy, you included, <laughs> that have just been so just there and just the best support ever. And then also, you know, I think that, yeah, I think it's just those those three things and, and it's really shown me how life is just full of contrast, like full of moments that are heart-filling and joy-filling and just make you go, oh, like, I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad that um, I get to experience this life to mm. moments where you're on the floor and just feel like, how am I going to get out of this hole? Mm. And so I think, yeah, the lesson in it for me is just knowing that I can I can be present with it all and get through it um, and to lean on people around me when I when I need to, and also how bloody important it is to have your own home. <laughs> oh, God. Absolutely. It's like the sanctuary, isn't it, to return oh, yeah. to and I'm in a month. I'm such a homebody. Mm, mm. Me too. Well, you can borrow my sanctuary in any time until you I get I do your- do that often, don't, though, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, such wise words, and I think for anyone who might be 
going through their own challenges right now, the key takeaways are making sure you're surrounding yourself with beautiful humans who can love and support you and hold space for you. Mm. Um, And also to, here's something that took me a long time to accept. (laughs) Um, I think we can all appreciate having had golden ages in our life. And what I mean by that is periods of time where just everything was amazing. And there's a few of those in my life. And one of them was actually when I was at naturopathic college, that was just like the greatest like chapter of my whole life. It was like my whole, like my existence was finally made sense. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I was learning what I came here to learn and share. Um, But I think as we get older, just by virtue of like aging and life experience and life responsibility, more and more challenges can arise. And I found myself for a long time struggling against those more difficult chapters, longing to get to another golden age where everything in life was great and I could finally let go and just be happy and enjoy it. And I don't know if I've even fully accepted this because I just, I want to stamp my foot and say no when I think about it. But ultimately life is like, you know, such a mixed bag at any one time. And there's going to be aspects of it that are so beautiful and so joyful and so peaceful and so fulfilling happening concurrently with stuff that is heartbreaking, devastating and infuriating and difficult and really challenging your, your will to live sometimes. Mm -hmm. And staying present is really the, the portal through Um, And having gratitude for the bits that are, you know, bringing you joy um, in amongst the other stuff that is maybe trying to take away from it a little bit, Um, which leads me on to perhaps an extension of that question about who we lean on and whose support we call upon in our journey and in particularly with our healing journey, but I think in just life, I mean, life is just one big surviving, not dying experience. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) at the moment, just trying not to die um, or trying to not want like to keep living, wanting to keep living. Um, So what practitioners, Nat, would you say have like played a role in your life or your healing journey that you want to shout out? So many. And I would say like a few key ones. I had one beautiful, incredible naturopath that truly like really, really, really helped me. Mm. Um, And so her back in the day, that was probably, gosh, like 10 10 years ago now maybe, um, but she was really profoundly influential on on my healing journey. Mm. Um, so that would be one. The other one would be like various kind of bodywork practitioners that I've seen over the years. I've, I've really found physical bodywork, like whether that's chiropractic, um, osteo, whether it's, um, you know, energetic type work or whatever it may be, that's been really helpful. And then if I had to pick like one person, it would actually be the most beautiful like psychosomatic therapist that I had, um, you know, a few years ago, well, a couple of years ago now, I saw her for a while and did a lot of my kind of, I guess, you know, inner, inner child work with her. Mm. And she held me through some really big, big stuff. And I think it was a, a, a mixture of I was ready for that work Mm -hmm. and she was also the right person at the right time. And plus she's just the most beautiful, beautiful human ever. Um, So I would say, I would say those, those um, are the few. I also have done some plant medicine journeys that have been really healing for me. I've also, um, yeah, I guess worked with a few energy type healing modalities mm. i i respond really well to things that are body mind centered that are kind of from the body up to the mind rather than mind down to the body i haven't always been that way yeah. but i think that as i've grown in self awareness and body awareness and because i am so conscious of how i feel in my body mm. and because i believe that a lot of our emotions are stored in our body and it 
manifests as different physical symptoms or, or mental imbalances, mm-hmm. I just feel really drawn to that kind of work. And I'm very much like a physical touch person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, I would say those, it's a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah. Amazing. So I would say, to be honest, up until I got sick with mold, I probably wasn't particularly open to support from outside of myself Mm. until I got so sick I had absolutely no choice. So I then saw a naturopath who specialised in mould who was also a colleague and friend, thank goodness I knew her and of her area of expertise, and she really was the the Sherpa (laughs) who navigated me out of you know, the dark hole that I was in with Mm. mold illness and that whole journey, um, which was incredible. And I still see her today because I've realized having a second set of eyes on your problem, even if this is an area you're qualified in, is always helpful. Everyone has their own zone of genius, skill set, experiences that can just enhance your your journey. Um, and so, you know, I think I've seen her once this year, but it's just nice knowing I've got her as my wing woman in that regard. And, and really now I've got a team of people that I call on. I have an ABC chiropractor um, that I see. I go through sort of seasons of like regular treatment and then I sort of fall off the wagon because I get busy with life. But ABC chiropractic is just the only form of chiropractic that I recommend and on a regular basis and yeah, love it. So structurally speaking, it's just game changing. Mm. Um, I've also been recently working with a, she's actually also a Cairo, but this is um, a different modality called NIS. It's a neurointegrative system, which helps with the nervous system. I I sort of joke that she takes care of the hardware and my psychologist takes care of the software. So yeah. So she helps with um, repatterning electrical circuits helps you to correct blown fuses and really reestablishes correct neurological communication through your body. Mm. And I have an incredible psychologist who I started seeing seven years ago now to, I was in a relationship with someone I didn't realize had really significant and quite sinister mental health problems. And I started seeing the psychologist to figure out how to help my partner at the time. Um, and, but also had all of my own shit to sort out. So it just kind of naturally rolled into that. And honestly, I think everyone needs a good psychologist on their team, clinical psychologist, um, just li- a life essential really. And so they would be, yeah, one of the, like some of the biggest um, influences on my well-being, also um, as far as practitioners go. I love, I love it. I just, yeah. And I I just want to really highlight there what you said as well, because I think it's always really helpful to have, no matter how much you know, even if it's within your field, to have Mm. someone else who is outside of you, who's not emotionally attached to, um, you know, the situation is so helpful. Like I've definitely seen other practitioners um, for myself, even since being, you know, a dietitian, naturopath, nutritionist, whatever, because I do think sometimes when you're you're too close to it, you either can't see the strategy clearly or you flip-flop around because you second-guess yourself on everything. Plus, mm. it's really nice. I think part of the healing journey not is not just what to eat, what supplements to take, what tests to do, but mm. I think it's also feeling like someone else is nurturing you, caring for you, guiding you, looking over, um, mm. you know, looking after you. And I think that is actually part of the experience that allows healing to happen. So I just wanted to really highlight that because I know that there are some practitioners that listen to this podcast and perhaps you felt self-conscious yourself about seeing another practitioner that's in your industry because you're like, oh, they'll think I don't know how to quote unquote fix myself. Mm. And I I just, I don't think it works that way to you. No, 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 absolutely not. In fact, you're shortchanging yourself by limiting, you know, what you're doing to your own skill set, as amazing as that I'm sure it is. Um, and I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be without another clinician, you know, alongside mm. working alongside me. 
So now I've got one more question. Okay, one more. One more. Make it a goodie. This is a goodie. Okay, so what is a secret most people don't know about you? Oh, my gosh, a secret. Something that Um, might shock them or just surprise them. Oh, my. Shock or surprise you. (laughs) I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. Do you have one that's off top of mind or would you like me to share all your secrets? (laughs) (laughs) I will no. I will not allow you to share. <laughs> I will not allow it. <laughs> I will not allow it. Fun fact: Nat and I had a photo shoot at the beginning of this month to um, get some nice new images for ourselves, but also for our membership, the Holistic Health Collective. If you haven't checked that out, the link will be in the show notes, and also to update our podcast artwork because that was just hastily put together when we got started. And the photos are amazing, um, but, you know, whenever we look at you can get photos, you're always picking the ones you like yourself. <laughs> we were comparing our lists and I'm like, oh, no, I hate that one of me. I hate that one of me. And then on my list I had some I'll allow it. Like <laughs> I didn't like it, but I'll allow it. <laughs> she sent it through and I was like, all right, is that what? That's the game we're playing here now. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Yuck, hate. My comments are quite funny. Anyway, my secret. Okay. The secret I'm going to divulge today is that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guess what I'm going to say? So I want to start singing Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to preface this. By saying, I, I will not hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I will not hurt you. I'm not a violent human. I, but I did do martial arts for eight <laughs> years and I did kickboxing. I started off doing Thai kickboxing and then moved into Chinese kickboxing. And I loved it so much that I wanted more. So I joined a women's sports fighting gym and ended up <laughs> doing <laughs> women's wrestling. <laughs> For it was over a year. It was over a year. I only stopped because I moved to Australia and <laughs> I actually went on tour. It was like WWF, but without the scripting. <laughs> and my character, my on stage persona was called Ice Angel. Because <laughs> I look really serious when I'm concentrating. It's the same when I'm presenting. And it's so bad that when I was doing TV work, they had to like tape a smiley face under my camera to remind me to smile anyway (laughs) ice angels so whenever I get really serious and I'm getting pissed off my husband likes to rib me and say ice angels coming out but I was a women's wrestler (laughs) friends look out I can do a mean scissor kick I can pull you off the top rope with my ankles around your neck so do not mess with me I don't think I can top that. I don't know what to come back at with what is a secret that I have. I mean, I've def- I've actually done kickboxing too. I didn't have a name and I didn't scissor kick anyone, I can confirm. <laughs> but I've definitely, definitely done that. But I'm I'm going to have to circle back to a secret okay. unless you All can right. think of one on my behalf. I just, <sighs> I don't know that. Um, I've, I've shared a lot of, I guess, what would people would call secrets on this podcast already that I'm, I'm struggling to, to, um, I do feel, I do feel like your fetish for the laminator might need to be revealed. Oh yes. Okay. So (laughs) when I was in year four guys, I have a really big heart and I'm also really determined when I (laughs) set my mind to something, I'm like, I will have this, I will make it happen. I'm sure they just don't understand properly yet. And I will just (laughs) make sure that they do. So I had this massive crush on this, this guy in year four and I just you know first of all wanted to know where I stood so the first thing I did is I used to send him um like letters that had check boxes that I'd self-created that would ask him to rate a few of the the girls in our year um <laughs> just so I could get a gauge on you know how close to number one was I how much work <laughs> did I have to do here so that's you know creepy number one thing I did stage five clinger was probably where I was at then um and then what I did one day because I thought this this requires something bold I'm feeling so I I I was also like a teacher's pet so this was a big deal for me to do something so 
outrageous. Mm. I wrote on a piece of paper, um, you are uh, sexy, but I didn't spell sexy the normal way. I just, I was pretty, you know, I was trying to be cool. So I wrote SXC um, with one of those really cool like S's that you can do in block writing. <laughs> yeah. And not only did I do that, I highlighted it in lots of different colors. And then I borrowed my mum's laminator and laminated it. <laughs> and then I delivered it to his desk and put it on there thinking, surely this will get me to number one. <laughs> FYI, spoiler alert, it didn't. I never got to number one. <laughs> And the teacher, the year, like year group manager called a meeting and, you know, we all had to go down there and she stood at the front holding my You Are Sexy card (laughs) and she said, you know, this is not appropriate to be putting letters on other people's desks that haven't been asked for. And if you are going to do it, at least make sure that you spell sexy right. And I was... (laughs) mortified that was the only time I'd ever been in trouble ever in my whole like primary school life and I just sunk in my in my seat I was just I could not look at that teacher in the eye ever again (laughs) that's my secret friends so between us we've got a few Few we little. have a few. We have yeah. a few. I think that's enough secrets of today. I think but, so too. Uh, but no, let it be known, Nat loves hard. Okay. She goes, hard. she goes bold. And if she really loves you, you'll get something laminated. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm not going to deny it. Oh, well, on that note, friends, thank you so much for joining us. If you've made it to the end, as Amy said, you are still all more than welcome to join the Holistic Health Collective for a little while longer now before we close the doors. We'd love to have you in there. We're having a lot of fun. We're about to gear up to run another monthly challenge shortly, do some more live Q&As, and we would love to see more of you in there. So if that interests you, please make sure that you check it out. Um, You can find that info um, in the link to the in the show notes or in either in my Instagram bio as well. Uh, And we will see you all again next week.